Hey, hey, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Bowling, and I'm way pumped to have you join me today because I get to interview a special guest. As you listen today, you get to hear what it looks like to live in genuine love every day, and you're gonna love it. Be sure to subscribe and share this with your friends. I have a really cool guest I'm introducing you today, Mark Sherwood. <laughs> hey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sarah, thanks for having me. I appreciate totally it. Totally stoked. Yeah. Mark, tell us a little bit of who you are, what kind of background, and yeah, why we're so hearing you. My background's a little bit unique. Mm-hmm. I was a police officer for uh, a couple decades and decided to get off into the health and wellness field. So I went back to school and became a naturopathic doctor where I now get to practice with my best friend and wife, Dr. Michelle, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we have a mission to lead people down the pathway of true healing. Yeah, and why, why did you want to be a policeman? You know, that's a great question. It was, um, there's always been something within us as human beings that uh, sort of wants to fulfill our call in life, you know. And uh, a call in life I've had, and I really have been passionate about this, is to really help people. Um, protection and service is kind of the mentality. It hasn't changed a bit. I mean, I think um, in all my years of doing that, uh, the most rewarding things are seeing the ability to get somebody out of a situation, life and death or whatever, and, and really help them out. So there is joy in giving somebody sort of a leg up and some help. Mm-hmm. And um, growing up, what, what did your parents do? My parents, interestingly enough, I'm adopted, so it was cool. My parents uh, taught me early on that uh, I was selected and chosen, which made me feel kind of cool about that, you know. So they handled it right. So I'm grateful for those parents that uh, uh, bring on an adoption like that. And I'm also grateful for the parents that uh, will allow a child to experience something like that. So I grew up in a, relatively speaking, Christian home. Uh, My dad was a deacon. My mom played the organ. And uh, I've said it before, old joke, but it's a lot of fun. Um, the only drug problem that I ever had was being drugged to church yeah. uh, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday yeah. night, to all the potluck dinners and all that. Um, gave my life to Christ when I was eight years old. My life changed at that point, and it's been a really cool journey since then. Mm-hmm. And how old were you when you were adopted? I was uh, just under a year old. Gotcha. Yep. And you have siblings? I do. I actually discovered them you know, later on in life. I've got one half-brother and three half-sisters that I discovered probably uh, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And was that interesting? Did you meet them? Oh, my goodness. It was crazy because, you know, um, when you meet your siblings, and I actually met my birth mother, which was kind of cool, uh-huh. um, it was healing. Um, so healing for them, I had no idea. You know, you don't know how people live with that. You know, how do parents that uh, father and mother a child, how do they live with that? Um, Turns out she was celebrating my birthday every year with this grievous thing. So Mm -hmm. uh, very sad, but it was healing for her. Um, They've all since passed at this point. Uh, You know, my parent, I met grandparents, and it was really cool. Um, But it was like... um, Almost a piece that was missing in your heart. You know, it doesn't take the place of your parents. I mean, sure. let's make sure we understand that. Yeah. Uh, I'm grateful. Um, but there's always that piece that says, well, what do they look like? Are there people that look like me? Uh, what, is, what is their, what, where would I have been in that case? And that was unbelievable that experience, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So then your teen years, mm-hmm. did you have any struggles with like connecting with your adopted parents? Was that an issue at all for you? You know, you don't think it is until you get back and you're an adult and then you look back at it. And there is a concept of um, separation. You know, you think that you're uh, uh, different and you always have that sort of 
I've been neglected or I've been left out or almost like this um, uh, lack of self-appreciation. And you, you deal with that. And if we begin to own that, uh, and I did finally in my um, middle adult years, I guess, it took me a while, you begin to understand that um, you know, things worked out for a reason. You know, God has a plan and he will take any situation, good, bad, or indifferent, and he'll make that for your good if you will allow it. And that's the key thing, if you will allow it. So it was really interesting through my uh, early adult years working through that because, you know, other families had a different dynamic. I mean, our family was great, but it was a different dynamic. You know, they had blood, blood brothers and sisters right. and all this. They looked the same. So it was just unique. Mm-hmm. And, and did you sense God kind of in your childhood, in your teen years, did you sense God kind of leading you in some of that stuff or did... How did God play out? You got saved when you were eight, yeah. but then what did that look like as you're in your childhood and teen years? Yeah, as I was growing up, um, I did sense God calling me in directions of helping people and helping mend the brokenhearted because a lot of people carry wounds that are generated from occurrences in childhood where they had no control over. You know, you don't pick your parents, you don't pick environment, you don't pick your culture, you don't pick the country, state, city you're born in, yeah. uh, you don't pick your skin color. These things, these wounds that we generate as a child, they begin to affect us as adults. And I did sense God calling me in that direction to sort of um, get into that. Even right now, as in my current career, I mean, we specifically tie, Sarah, the emotional and spiritual brokenness into physical manifestation of disease. And that's, that's fascinating. And if we would begin to put those together, we would see real resolve and healing in all through those areas at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's completely true. So then you met your wife mm-hmm. and how did that play out? When, how old were you and how, what did that look like? Oh, I met my wife um, about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time she was completely married to medicine, if you will. Um, And I had been out of a marriage for about 10 years and I had swore off women. I was like, I'm done with this, man. (laughs) You know, no way. I was a single parent and it was uh, challenging to say the least. Um, But here's what I learned in that. Um, When I became um, independent with God, when I became a person that did not need anybody but God, that's the key point. Um, I became ready for a relationship at that point. And my wife and I, uh, when we met, it was truly uh, love at first sight. I remember shaking her hand and, and, and couldn't let go. It was the awkwardest moment ever, you know? I mean, like, there's people around. What am I going to do with that? Am I going to ask her out to dinner or whatever? Um, but it was love at first sight. And so all that to say this, when we did meet, we were two independent people functioning independently with God, where we could come together and become, you know, interdependent, if you will. And it's, it's not like this, where one leans on the other one in this way, that's codependency. Right. So, you know, I think that's where a lot of relationships go um, awry, or maybe they start off on the wrong foot, so to speak. But uh, yeah, it's been a blessing, uh, totally a blessing ever since. Mm-hmm. And then the transition from being a police to moving in the healthcare profession, what did that transition look like? My friends... Uh, colleagues and co-workers thought I was an idiot. They thought I was stupid because I was in my 40s. What am I doing going back to school and learning at that point? You're too old. Um, But I've never met a challenge that I didn't take on. And, you know, there are personalities, and I suspect you're one of those personalities. You say, you can't do this. I bet you can't. You're going to do it. Mm -hmm. That's just a stubbornness that we probably all have, and it's good. Mm -hmm. So I I took that. But, you know, I knew God was calling me in that direction. And I went ahead and went for it. You know, I just kind of sold out for it because 
Um, I was in charge in my last few years uh, on a large police department of the hiring, uh, firing, recruiting, um, you know, wellness process. And, and I watched men and women, uh, they, well, they came into the, the career in their best condition, mentally, physically, spiritually, and would leave just broken and they would die. Um, I watched them retire. Once they lost their identity, they would die. And that broke my heart. So I saw that occur and I thought, you know what, there's, there's something to this. And it's not just in the first responder arena. It's everybody. This concept of PTSD and all that stuff, that is everybody today. And it's very uh, rampant in our world. And we need to begin to get behind the, um, the origins of that and begin to find healing. So that led me in that direction. And, and I went with it with uh, reckless abandon. And it hasn't stopped yet. Um, my passion, obviously, I can't hide it. Sure. Um, I, I don't try anymore. It is who I am. And I just believe that every person on this earth um, can live an optimal life, whatever that looks like to them. I mean, we're going to physically die, but we don't have to live life while dead. Right. We can live life while alive, and we need to live like that. Mm -hmm. And this is a little bit of a left field, but I want to ask this question. Yeah. So you have kids as well now, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So parenting as so and then you said you were a single dad for a mm -hmm. little while, too. And so what did that, how did that play out for you? And when you've, you know, you're adopted and you grow up, you know, and, and you had good parents, yeah. um, adopted parents for sure. But how did that, what did that, how did you feel parenting your son, daughter? I mean, yeah, two how, daughters and a son, mm -hmm. um, as a single male, um, back in those days, that was unusual yeah. to, to be sort of a sole custodial parent, um, felt alone, um, you know, kind of left out, cheated, sometimes angry about it, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and I think uh, people would understand that, you know, you go through situations, you're like, man, I don't, I don't want to do this. I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. There's no, there's no manual, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had to kind of learn this, this thing, parenting OJT, on-the-job training. Yep. And there was no uh, concept that I had. I mean, I'm trying to talk to little girls about, you know, puberty. What and what is that about? <laughs> you know, I try to, on, yeah. I'm getting on the internet, you know, before we, and I'm trying to, th what am I going to, how am I going to have these conversations? And, uh, you know, certainly I did the best I could. Uh, I look back on it and, you know, oldest, middle, youngest, I can see improvement in, uh, in my <laughs> skill, you know, if you will, as I, sure. as I progressed in that, but it was, it was tough. I mean, it was, it was a challenging time in my life, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And how did you sense God in that in that season? Yeah, one of the interesting thing, and and you know, I've never told this a lot of times, but there was a time in my life where I was truly at the bottom, and and I was <laughs> I was it was one of those times, you know, when God speaks to you, you know, and and He speaks to us all the time. But this is one of those times you go, man, that that was God. So I'm sitting in my living room, and I'm on the floor. And I'm literally in a place of complete and utter brokenness. Um, and I was crying and weeping and there was nobody around. And it was the worst time. Um, I just felt like checking out, man. I mean, it wasn't like suicidal, but you know, right. look, we're, we're fools if we don't acknowledge that sometimes we feel like, you know, the world is too much for us, right? And I just went out of this thing. So I remember um, asking God and I asked him out loud, God, why is this happening to me? 
I asked that question. That's yeah. a fair one. I mean, people yeah. ask that thing, right? Yeah. And, and I heard him speak. Now, did he speak out loud audibly in this thunderous voice? I don't know. Sure. But the bottom line is he spoke to me. And he said, what are you crying about? Look what they did to me. Mm-hmm. And I stopped. And it just shook me up because I thought, okay, here's God in the flesh, Jesus walking the earth. And he did nothing wrong. And we crucified him. And I was accusatory as much as anybody, you know, because if we look at it like that. Mm-hmm. And, and that turned my world around because I realized that you, you don't have to do anything wrong or right to have bad things happen to you in the world. Yeah. It just does. Mm-hmm. But God is with you in those things. Mm-hmm. And we can't get ourselves in a place where we think that we're worse off than somebody else. Mm-hmm. Because nobody went through what he went through. We can't even fathom that. I mean, here's the humanness of Jesus, you know, and he's going to the cross. And interestingly enough, he, before he went, knew what he was going to go through, could feel the pain before it happened, and knew the people that were going to betray him before they betrayed him. That's overwhelming. Right. So what am I and what is my situation compared to that? Mm. It's, it's nothing compared to that. Mm. So um, he kind of put it in perspective for me at that time. And um, at that point in time, time to get up off the floor, time to get up and move and time to make uh, whatever happens, happens, but, but do your best, trust him and, and uh, realize his presence is there. Mm-hmm. And what, how do you see God cultivating? Cause it's, I hear you always kind of coming back, circle back with God and mm-hmm. God's kind of ground zero. So what is, what is your connection with God look like? Just kind of on a day to day basis. He is everything to me. I could not do, be, say what I am uh, or what I say without him. Um, my life now is like a movie, and, and that's the best way I can describe it. I'm watching a movie occur, and if I truly give it up and allow myself to be crucified to the flesh and become a slave to God, if you will... If I truly do that, it's like watching a movie play out and you happen to be in it that is orchestrated and driven by someone else, in this case, God. And uh, we've seen some extraordinary things happen um, in our lives, in our practice. Uh, Miracles are normal for us. People walking in health are normal. People getting healed is very normal. I expect it. Um, I expect God to show up and I'm just observing him at work. I'm nothing different than anybody else. But... I'm committed to being practiced to giving my life up on a daily basis. And the more that I realize that and walk that pathway, um, the easier it becomes. The responsibility gets bigger, the challenges get bigger, but the easier it does become. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I want to ask this question because I think this would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. So do you have like daily routines, things you yeah. do like every day? I mean, obviously we like brush our teeth mm-hmm. and, you know, that kind of thing, but... What are some of the things you do every day, daily routines that you have? So we're real structured. And I think that's the key to having disciplines, which sort of match the concept of disciples, right? So the concept of discipline means a lot to us. You know, I want to be predictable. I want to be someone who can be reliable. So we get up on a pretty much routine basis, about 4.45 or 5. And so that means you have to back up your bedtime at a decent time. But we'll get up and um, typically we'll get ready 
away from my day, maybe have a cup of coffee. And, and, and truly, this is what we do. I'm not saying this because we're on your show. Sure. We'll get up and have a cup of coffee, and I'll read the Bible and just kind of meditate on God's Word. And I'll do that, you know, 15, 30 minutes, just kind of get my day ready. And, uh, and then uh, my wife and I will typically go to the gym or we'll work out at the house. Um, in working out, and this is, again, what we do, yeah. um, I've been doing this for 40 years, exercising. I mean, you got to do something to sort of break the monotony of it all. But I've transitioned my concept of exercise to just movement, mm -hmm. where I put in praise and worship, and I'm just celebrating this kind of time where I can move. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. so I don't think about, am I trying to do better? Yes. But I'm thinking about the celebration of movement. Mm -hmm. So we'll do that for about an hour. We don't do that, spend a lot of time. You got to be very efficient. And then we'll go to work. Um, so again, we've got ourselves prepped physically, mm -hmm. emotionally, and spiritually to go give. And when we're at work, um, we get into people's lives. And we'll spend an hour with each person. So that goes on from typically 8 to 5, and we'll take a noon break. Um, we force that, and we'll sometimes get out and walk around our complex outside and mm -hmm. get some uh, sunshine yep. and some air. And then we'll typically have uh, lunch during that time as well. We'll go home and have dinner. And then we just kind of wind down. Mm -hmm. And uh, our evening is quiet. We don't watch a lot of TV. Um, there's a lot of... Um, you know, let me just put a bluntly garbage on that right now and sure. fear dripping. Sure. So we need to sort of minimize that. And then we'll have a time of just we pray and we go to sleep. And we typically are in bed um, 8.15, 8.30, and we just kind of have a, a nice wind down. Sometimes we'll read at that point in time, but it's important to have these pre-bed sort of routines. Yeah. And that's our day typically. It sounds basic. But there's a lot of things that happen in that day, mm -hmm. and that's a routine that works for us. And I highly encourage people to just get a routine. Yep. You know, become predictable in your own life because it it does ease the stress a little bit in mm -hmm. your life if you if you are predictable. Mm -hmm. And hobbies, what are things you like to do just to kind of exhale? Yeah, I like to I like to fish. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to hunt. Um, sometimes uh, I'll go out there and actually, this sounds crazy, maybe not to everybody, but I will sit up inside in a tree, right? Yep. And I'm watching the animals. I'm watching the sun come up. And that's the most peaceful time uh, just to see the world wake up, to hear the birds and, and hear noises that kind of startle you. You know, what is that, yeah, right? Yeah. What's that walking towards me? Is something climbing the tree with me or whatever? Sure. But I, I enjoy that, and I enjoy getting outside. Um, we enjoy to travel, uh, see new places, um, experience new people, new things, new cultures. Uh, we like um, sitting and watching the ocean uh, and hearing that noise, that whoosh, you know, there's something about that. Um, my wife and I both are, yeah, we're out in the public a lot, so people would think we're extroverts. Um, no, it's the opposite of yeah. that. You just know when to turn it on and when to turn it off. But sure. those are some of the hobbies we enjoy. Mm -hmm. Where do you like to travel? Oh, we love to go to like uh, Mexico and Hawaii and, and we've been to Europe a few times. We recently, uh, last year, went to Singapore. Really enjoyed that quite a bit. Yep. So uh, just enjoy it. And, you know, it's um, interesting enough in travel. Um, one little mini story here. Um, we were teaching a class on genetics um, in Singapore. And at one time in the room, we had at least one practitioner from every continent on the globe. Crazy. That's we're looking cool. out there and we're speaking in English and we're loving them 
just the way we do. I mean, we can't sort of bring out Christianity in that teaching, but we bring out love and he walks through us and people know that. They know where we come from clearly. And many people come up and make comments afterwards, but it was interesting. The language of love crossed all spans of that. We had great relationship with every sort of person from every uh, continent and as well as the different religions worldwide. Fascinating to see that and fascinating that love overcame all. So that's one of our greatest experiences while traveling mm -hmm. recently, yeah. Totally love. I mean, I get that. Yeah. And I know that international and love is a common denominator. Totally. People want to mm -hmm. experience love mm -hmm. and they want to be loved. Mm -hmm. That's just the thing that God put in us mm -hmm. as, a, as a whole that only he could truly fill up. Because mm -hmm. he is love. You betcha. Or and they are love because there's three of them. Yeah, and so we look at that. That's deep. Well done. <laughs> I like it. Holy buckets, wasn't that amazing? Oh my gosh, thank you so much for listening today. Totally love your guts, and I'd love for you to share this with your friends and your family. Thank you again and again for listening, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>